0: Your windows and turn off the lights. Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the nineteen seventy eight horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute twelve begins with the tail end of the scene outside the Smithsgrove sanitarium. Loomis moves out of frame, leaving Marion on the ground by herself, clearly upset and alone. He does not finish his sentence. Second seven, we fade out and fade in on an intersection. This is Montrose Avenue and Oxley Street in South Pasadena, looking west. Toward Laurie's house, but that is about eleven or twelve blocks away. We get our first fake leaves on the ground. And maybe the only brown trees in the entire film. Fun side note, if you look at this block of Montrose on Google Earth, there is a marker up the block for Michael Myers Bush. In between 1025 and 1019, Montrose. Superimpose title card, Haddonfield. October 31st, 1978. And we dissolve to the exterior of the Strode House. We pan left from the grass field across the street from the Strode House. The public library is just out of frame to the right. We see Morgan Strode's Cadillac Fleetwood. This car actually belonged to John Carpenter at the time. It has a Strode Realty sign on its door. And in the novelization, we learn that this embarrasses Lori. Quote, It never failed to embarrass her, this advertisement glaring at people wherever they drove. Maybe things like this were done in Cleveland or Chicago or St. Louis, but in a small town like Haddonfield, most people kept a low profile. Oh well, it brought daddy business. And, as her father was fond of pointing out, business meant food and clothes and a college education, so she couldn't really complain. End quote. The thing I find amusing is that the sign doesn't offer a phone number. I guess anyone who's seen this car around town just has to find Morgan nearby and talk to him directly. Lori's interaction with her father was reportedly the first scene shot for the film, though in the commentary track, Jamie Lee Curtis says the first scene would be minutes 14 to 15 with Lori and Tommy outside the Myers house. The Strode house is on Oak Street in Haddonfield. According to the novelization, it's filmed at 1115 Oxley Street in South Pasadena in the first week of May. The brown leaves in the yard are not only fake, and would be picked up and reused for other scenes. They don't match the very green trees all around. And introduce Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode got her name from an old girlfriend of Carpenter's. Her costumes for the film were bought by Jamie Lee Curtis from J.C. Penney's for about $100. She arrived on location at 7 in the morning, her hair freshly trimmed, her dress conservative. Uh, Curtis tells David Grove, actually not sure where this interview was published, quote, She, Laurie, was a Midwestern girl, and I envisioned that Lori's mother probably took her to J.C. Penney's a few times a year during the different seasons and got all of Lori's clothes and coordinates. Everything she wore was mix and match right down to the line. When I put on her clothes, it really helped me find the character. Lori was very repressed in a lot of ways, and it's like she's ready to explode. End quote. Grove quotes Carpenter. Quote, she looked the part. When I first met Jamie, she was a real tomboy, but when filming started, she totally transformed into the character of Lori, especially with her hair and clothes she wore. She was the awkward, shy girl in the script. In the script, Laurie is introduced. Laurie, 17 and pretty in a quiet sort of way, steps out of her two-story frame house down the front walk to the street. Her face has a soft, innocent quality, her eyes bright and alive. In the novelization, she dressed in a simple school attire, a print skirt, knee socks, sensible shoes, and a boy's shirt under a sweater. Loaded down under two heavy book bags, she appeared to be round-shouldered and flat-chested, but that didn't worry her. She knew that when she set out to dress and make up for a date, she could hold her own with anybody in her high school class. And I'm reminded of Ross Putman and the Jane intros on Twitter. Movie producer Ross Putman, under the Twitter account at Intros, in the phrasing of Patricia Garcia at Vogue magazine, quote, documents the misogynist, often offensive descriptions of female characters he's read in screenplays. Names change to Jane, otherwise verbatim. Quote. Some examples. Jane pours her gorgeous figure into a tight dress, slips into her stiletto-heeled fuck-me shoes, and checks herself in the dresser mirror. His wife Jane is making dinner and watching CNN on a small TV. She was a model pretty once, but living an actual life has taken its toll. Jane, 40, gorgeous blonde, big-breasted, great body, beautiful smile. Jane, 30s, is cute, but could be hot if she made an effort. We're close on a woman's perfect ass in a thong. This ass belongs to Jane. 19. Jane, 29, is naturally attractive, but not someone who works on looking good. Jane, 23, if she tried even a little, she could be pretty. Jane, once pretty, now thin and weak. Jane, 17, and pretty in a quiet sort of way. Her face has a soft, innocent quality, her eyes bright and alive. The last one is Lori. Certainly not the worst of the bunch. But what does pretty in a quiet sort of way mean? Later in the script, the tail end of minute 20, Linda will be introduced like this. Linda is a knockout in tight jeans and tight t-shirt. She carries no books. Annie gets no descriptor when she arrives in minute 21. In the novelization, Linda is introduced as a, quote, Leggy blonde, and whereas Lori's beauty was modestly contained in quiet clothing and hairstyle, Linda wore skin-tight jeans and sweaters and bright ribbons in her hair that virtually shouted, Sex here to anyone with eyes to see. End quote. I guess that because Lori wears a bra, although she doesn't always smash cut to minute 27, and more conservative clothes, that makes her prettiness quiet. We talked way right back in minute one about Jamie Lee Curtis's look, how in 1978 she wasn't the pretty one in this trio. David Grove, Oh, that's who David Grove is, David Grove writes in his book, Jamie Lee Curtis, Scream Queen. I should have written that down. Quote, there was something strange about how little Jamie Lee in terms of the way she looked. End quote. He explains her mother had taken the antibiotic tetracycline used to treat bacterial and respiratory infections, but celebrities have been known to use it to treat acne while pregnant with Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee's teeth came in gray and crooked. Grove suggests this would plague her self-esteem growing up, and, quote, this would contribute to the vulnerability that would be a key element of Curtis's scream queen persona. My parents were such beautiful people, and when I was growing up, I felt ugly in comparison, recalls Curtis. I never felt good about how I looked. Growing up, I learned to smile and talk without showing my teeth, because I was embarrassed. I developed a smirk. End quote. She would have her teeth straightened and capped a couple years after the original Halloween, but never mind all that. Jamie Lee Curtis's teeth, Laurie Strode's quiet prettiness. What about this from the novelization? Quote, She set down Oak Street, rolling slightly from side to side with the weight of her books. The famous Laurie Waddle. End quote. And in a later passage, she will walk. Quote, down the street to school, trying to stride smartly, but rolling with a slight waddle that everybody knew belonged uniquely to Lori Strode. End quote. Why? That's all why. I don't know why she waddles. I don't know why that's a thing that Curtis Richards, Richard Curtis, Dennis Echison, whoever he actually is, put into the book. From the script. Her father steps out of the door behind her and walks to the car in the driveway. His car has Strode real estate emblazoned on the side door father is of course morgan strode chester strode in the novelization played by peter griffith he died in 2001 age 67 laurie's adopted mother is pamela but she plays no part in this film though she is briefly in the novelization and the script But that brings us to the larger story again. This film never tells us that Laurie is Michael's sister. Even the carved sister in the scene shot for television, which would be inserted right after these first couple scenes with Laurie, suggests a link to Judith, not someone unknown. Some unknown second sister. Occam's razor and all that. But the larger story is what everyone knows, which is why the trailer for this year's Halloween film, a sequel to the original, ignoring all the others, dismisses the sibling relationship as a story someone made up. Laurie Strode was born Cynthia Myers. Being roughly a couple years younger than Jamie Lee Curtis, who's 19, Cynthia was likely a toddler that night Michael killed Judith. And in the larger story, the Myers parents would die in 1965. Laurie would have very little memory of them, if any. Morgan Strode just barely emerges from the house and starts to speak. Father, from the script. Don't forget to. And the minute ends. Unlike Loomis in the last minute, Morgan Strode, will finish his sentence. That is all for Minute 12. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute, or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute, or join our Facebook listeners group, 45 Lambkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe, and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. Bye.